Thank you. You may be seated this morning. That was a, that's a difficult song, but a great song. I'm going to talk about that song here this morning and, and see if we can glean something from that song that will help us in our time. Um, I, I was thinking about all the people that are struggling this week. Uh, it's been about a month, I guess. But I've been thinking about all the people that are struggling, especially um, those family members that we have, you know, that uh, we're praying for. And um, one of them that I was thinking about because of uh, um, Jennifer was Craig, you know, and, and Jennifer Longacre, um, and how she went on that bike ride with him, or that run. It was a run, wasn't it? She went on that marathon with him and um, pushed him around on that marathon. And I thought how powerful that was, and, and this, this all came about. And um, I was in one of my devotions in the... In the uh, Amazing Grace hymn book, um, uh, devotionals, the song came up, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And that song comes from Psalm 139. So let's read it this morning and see what it says to us, okay? Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute because you're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, oh my, he even sees me in the dark. And at night I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. This morning, I want you to know this is the word of God for all of his people. I hope you said to yourself, I think I've heard that somewhere this morning. Because it was a call to worship. Amen? So I wanted you to get a hold of that scripture today. I'm going to talk about this song and another song um, um, later on this month, the end last Sunday of this month. But I want to talk about this song today because we're all in so many different venues of our life going through struggles. No matter what it is, if you haven't been through a struggle, come and I'll help you share one of mine, okay? And, and you can help me through those. Um, but um, this song is written by a guy, a young man named George Matheson, um, a young person who was um, headed to be a great theologian. And he did become a theologian, but not near as what he could have been because at an at a early age of 20, he lost his sight. And, um, and things went downhill from there. His, his, um, his sight was going slowly, but it, it, he graduated from Cambridge, and then, and then his um, sight left him. And, and he was, mar- he was uh, betrothed to a young lady who decided she couldn't live with somebody who, uh, who was going to be blind all their life. You know? Couldn't, uh, didn't want to go with that whole realm. So she left him and broke his heart, and, and um, things were tragic for him at that time, but, but lo and behold, his one, he had several sisters, and one of them said, oh, it's all right, I'll be your eyes for you. And she started taking all these classes in Latin and Hebrew and theology so that she could help him um, be a theologian and a pastor. He decided not to go the theological route and became a pastor and served a large church of over 2,000 people. And, uh, and he, his, his eyes was his sister. For 20 years, for 20 years, his eyes was nothing more than, than um, 
than her eyes and what, what uh, she would tell him was going on. And uh, he was blessed. He was blessed. He didn't have a problem with it at all. And then one day in 19, uh, I think, 82 or 83, she said, uh, guess what, George? I'm going to get married. You'll have to get somebody else to be your eyes. And I, I, I like looking at the, the things that they wrote down that, at that time. And in his journal of that day that um, she was getting married, he wrote this. Let me read it to you. My hymn, this hymn that he wrote, was composed at the manse of Ellen on the evening of June the 6th, 1882. I was at that time completely alone. It was the day of my sister's marriage, and the rest of my family were all staying over in Glasgow. Something happened to me which was, which was known only to myself and which caused me the most severe mental suffering. And I suppose when he was saying that, it was, he went back 20 years to when his fiance left him and now his sister's leaving him and he is alone in the world blind, okay? He said the, the, this hymn was the fruit of that suffering. Let me read that to you again. He said the hymn, this hymn was the fruit of that suffering. It was the quickest bit, bit of work I have ever done in my life. I had the impression of someone having dictated it to me by some inward voice than of working it out myself. I am quite sure that the whole work was completed in five minutes and that equally sure that it has never been received at my hands any retouching or corrections. I have no natural gift of rhythm. All the other verses I have written are manufactured articles. You know, something he had to work on. This came like a day spring from on high. I have never been able to gain once again more and more of that same fever in that verse that I have written this night. And so it was on June 6th. Here he is, alone by himself, alone by himself, George Madison, Madison thinking that, um, gosh, what am I going to do? He turned his heart to God and he wrote that first verse. Listen to it. Oh, love that will not let me go. Amen. You know where he's talking about God. I, risk, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give back thee the life I owe, that in, my, in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Hmm. I like that word where he says this hymn that he wrote was the fruit of his suffering. Um, or something important in a, that we all need to hear in that lesson, that word right there. Because all of us suffer from disappointment, heartache, whatever it may be, um, mentally, physically, and spiritually in our lives at some point. What makes all the difference, my friends, is how we um, respond to the things that go on in our lives. George Matheson could have quit and said, I'm blind, I can't do anything. But he chose to go on and serve a large church. And then um, wrote this song. And I thought about this song, and I thought about what Psalm 139. I don't know if you know it or not, but Psalm 139 is probably, um, many theologians feel that Psalm 139 is the last psalm that David wrote. Now think about that. That's the last psalm that he wrote, how God is with him. He, he wrote that song, psalm saying this very thing, that God uh, 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 he loves him more than he can even imagine, and he loves him. It's a love that will not let him go. 
he talks about this in these, these few verses, 7 through 12, that, that he's talking about a God who's always near, contrary to our thoughts. And he talks about a God who knows him inside and out. Now, we need to understand that, that, that uh, in the earlier Psalms, you know, Psalm David wrote about being led down to the restful uh, waters, you know, and the quiet springs. But his life wasn't always like that, was it? You know, he lost two of his sons and his daughter was emancipated and, and couldn't do anything because of her, all that happened to her from being raped by her, her brother and all this stuff. And, and then he himself, you know, remember when he uh, looked over and saw Bathsheba and then, then he killed her husband and, and, and lost that marriage and the baby they had died. His life was full of craziness, wasn't it? And we often wonder how, whatever happened to him. Did he, did he turn away from God? And we know he didn't in Psalm uh, 51. But here in Psalm 139, we hear him say, No, I am still with God. Through it all, through everything that happened, I'm there. If you feel, if we, we often feel abandoned, don't we? Alone, hopeless, many times in our lives. Helpless at times. And we get full of fear. And uh, today I want to remind you. I want to remind you at, at home, um, and on the parking lot and you here, I want to remind you that um, God's word is still with us. God's son is still with us. The Holy Spirit is right here in our midst. And we are not going to be left alone. So let's look at those other three verses and see what God says to us in those verses um, that would help us get through our rough times, okay? And I would hope that you would, God would put this word on your heart that you would be able to draw on it when you're in your rough times, when you're having a hard time in life, um, when you're having a hard day, just remember these three things, okay? The first one is that God's light can pierce any darkness. God's light, you need to hear that, can pierce any darkness that's going on. David said in verses 11 and 12, he said, uh, Oh, even he sees me in the dark. At night I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night isn't... Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Uh, in other words, when we have Christ in our life, it's never dark. Never dark. There's, that light is always there. And I think that's why Matheson wrote verse 2. He says, O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to you. <laughs> our light's not very strong, is it? My heart restores its borrowed ray. That in the sunshine blaze, its day may brighter, fairer be. And that's what I, I, we're praying that every day of the week, that we have a light that just shines bright in the midst of everything going on, in the midst of all that's happening in our lives, that God would um, uh, let us be that light in our anxiety, in our struggle, that God would let us be that light for those around us that are having as much trouble and maybe even more. I had a dear friend, um, dear friend, him and his wife, uh, um, I got to marry them too a long time ago, and, and uh, well, this was back in, the, back in the early 90s, and they, uh, they were young people, and they tried to have a baby. They wanted a baby desperately. Well, you know how all the grandparents were, and they weren't in a hurry, they were just saying, have it now, you know. And, uh, and they tried. They tried two times, lost the baby, both times. And then the third time that mom caught, she stayed. It took cold. 
And I want to tell you what I remember the family. I remember the grandmothers. I was especially close to both grandmothers and, uh, and grandfathers, but the grandmothers and I were real close. And the, this young man and his wife. Eight months into the pregnancy, the, the cord wrapped around the baby's neck and, and it died. And the baby was doing really good up to then. And I remember all that we were doing all that was getting prepared for the birth of this child and the excitement of it, and the baby died. And a month later, they took the baby then. They let it go to full completion for health reasons of the mom. I don't understand it. But those grandmothers and that mother said to me, they said, when that baby's born, will you, will you come in right away and baptize her? And I said, be my honor be my honor. Now, did it do anything for that baby? Guys, no. No, but you know, you don't stand there in the midst of this chaos that these families are going through and say, well, theologically, you know, I didn't didn't even think about it. I said, yes, I'll be there. So the baby was born, still had the umbilical cord, and it was laying on her mom. She was laying on her mom's chest. And I went in and had the privilege to baptize her. It was a crazy time for these kids. They're 28 years old now, and obviously they're not ever going to have a, a child, which they wanted desperately. And one day, several months later, my friend came into the office and we were chatting, and, and I asked him how he was doing, and he said this. He said, I can't believe in the darkest dark of our lives, he said, I finally realized that God could do something much more than we could ever understand. And he said, God sustains us. He keeps us positive. He keeps us on the way through this dark and terrible time. Dark and terrible time. He said, I don't know how he did it, but he has. And I guess I want you to know that today, too. That no matter what you're going through, we need to realize that God is there with us. It's that whole thing of um, the, 20, uh, third, or the uh, 23rd Psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. God wants us to know as we're walking through the shadow, don't fear because I'm here with you. I have the light. Our problem is, is we don't know that until we get to the other side of the tunnel. You know, the other side of the valley when it's ugly and terrible and everything. And then we look back and say, oh, look, that's where God was at. That's how he helped me. That's good. But a step further than that is when God says, I want you to know that I'm here with you right now. Whatever you're going through, I'm there. Madison, I think, uh, Madison came to know that. And that's why he put down that light, God's light can pierce the darkness anytime. And I want you to know something. Do you know why God does that? Listen to this real closely. It's because God is for us. You need to hear that today. He's for you no matter what you're going through. Let me give you another truth that I think we need to grab a hold of. God's ear is always within the sound of our voice. Look at him, verse 7 and 8. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go on the ground, you're there. He's saying that no matter where we go, high or low, doesn't matter, near or far, God is close by us. And I want you to know that he's not only close by us, 
but he wants to hear what we're crying about. He wants to hear our hearts cry. He wants to know what we're thinking. In Psalm 116, David says, he has heard my voice and my cries. He has inclined his ear to me. I read that and I thought that's, that's pretty good translation. And I looked for another translation of that verse and the New Living Translation says that he has heard my voice and my supplication and he bends down. Did you hear that? I love that. He bends down to listen to us. And there are times I know that we think God's not near. He doesn't have anything to do with us. He's, he's away. He's, not, he's somewhere far away, you know. But we, I want you to know that uh, he promises. He promises us that he will always be with us and he'll never leave us. In the midst of our worst days of our lives, he is right there. And all we have to do is look for him. And we don't have to look far. The promise is, don't rely on your feelings. Rely on the truth that God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's in Psalm, uh, or Hebrews chapter 13. Do you know why he makes that statement? I'll tell you why. Because God is for us. You need to hear that. He is for us in all of our journeys, no matter what's going on. God's light opens the path for our journey. He listens to our heart. And third, let me share this with you. God's hand is always within our reach. God's hand is always within our reach. If, if, verse 9 and 10, if I flew on the morning's wing to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting for me. I, I'm sharing with you from personal experience, too, that that um, Phyllis and I, all these years, you know that as you journey through life, sometimes it seems like God is far away, and all we have to do is reach up. Reach up, and, and he, he will take our hand. We need to grab a hold of that promise that he gives us. He will do it, and let him, he, will, he will do it if we reach up and let him take our hand, let him guide us through our journey. Maybe that's why Matheson wrote that third verse. O oh, joy that seest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the skies. Do you see that? And feel the promise is not in vain that morn shall tearless be. The time of trial, you need to know, is not the end of your story. It's just a part of the journey. It's one tiny uh, chapter in all the many chapters of our journey of life going on to be with the King of Kings, as Terry did this week. My friend didn't quit, and his wife, they didn't quit. They didn't quit. They, the reason they would have no more children is because when he was 16, he had testicular cancer. And so his mom and dad froze three sperm things for the time that they got married. So all three of them were, were spent, and they knew that they were not going to have any children. He was incapable of producing. And they went through a dark time. I was there with them. And one day, the grandmothers called me up, and they said, things have changed. You need to come out. So I went out on the road 162, like 301 here. You know, I went out on 62, and I was at their house, and the, the young, these young people came in. All the grandparents were there. Everybody was there, and they said, we need you to pray. 
And I said, you need me to pray? Okay, what for? Because, you know, we'd been through a tragic time for the past year and a half. And they said, um, we've decided we know how God wants us to fix this problem. And the, the young mother looked at me and said, we're going to adopt. I said, what? And they said, yes, we need you to pray. I said, so we prayed. We prayed. And I think it was almost a year to the date later, a year to the date later, there was this little baby born with um, drug parents, and the baby was going through withdrawals. And the, the group that they were with and everything said, uh, you can have this baby. That was 1992, 93, I think. So how old would that baby be now? <laughs> Young little girl, blonde-haired, doing great. Doing great. As Carl looked at me one day, he said, you know, God was guiding us all the way. He had his hand in our hands. That's where it comes from. We need to know that, you know. And that's what I think Madison was writing, that um, uh, God, if we just would know that he's there close to us, he would take our hands and bring us to that closeness that God wants us to be with him, hand in hand. Um, I don't know if you know Rita Springer or not, a great Christian singer. She said in one of her songs uh, and in one of her testimonies that you'll never know that God is all you need until there's a time when God is all that you have. Amen? We need to hear that today. Um, The storms of life drive us in places we don't like to go. And in those moments, we can stop in the midst of all the storm and say, God, I have no one else but you. I have only you. I need you to hold my hand and walk me through this storm. And I can guarantee you that he'll do it. Do you know why? Anybody know why? Because he is for us. Amen? He's for us all the way. Psalm 139 is nothing more than a reminder that God loves you with a love that will never go away. His light can pierce the darkest darkness. His ear can hear the most desperate prayer we have. And his hand can guide us through the deepest valley. But we have to turn to him, don't we? We have to turn to him and know that he is the one, um, that his cross is what's brought us into that close relationship. And I suppose that's why Madison wrote that last verse of that hymn. O cross that liftest up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust life glory dead. And from the ground there are blossoms red. I like that. Red life that shall endless be. In that poem, in that poetry that he put down, he's talking about the most broken situation, the most broken circumstance in your life, the most broken life period. He says, turn, turn to God and your life can become blossom red. I guess if I would say anything to you this morning, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what the, the crisis is, God is with us. Paul says the best in Romans chapter 8. He says there's nothing that can separate us from God. Not a thing. Not a thing. 
God loves us that much that will never let us go. I'm going to ask her one more time. Do you know why? Because God is for us. Amen? Remember that through the whole thing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we do realize that. That we are in the midst of struggles or we've been through struggles. We don't understand everything that's going on. We don't understand what this darkness is all about. But you give us light. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. You take us by the hand. And you say, come on, let's go for a walk. And we can go and share our heart's desire. And we thank you for that. And our prayer is today, Lord. That as we experience that grace that you give us personally because of your son, Jesus Christ, our prayer is that we wouldn't keep that, that we would share that, that we would be that light for those around us that are hurting and struggling. Help us, Lord, to be your healing agents. This is our prayer today. And in the process, we pray that you'd heal us. All because we ask, Lord. All because you are Lord. King of Kings. We ask this in your son's name today. All of God's children said, Amen.